people in and provider of food and hospitality and working. Listen, Jesus was all about hospitality, you know. The Lord's all about hospitality because that, why else would he feed the thousands? Because he didn't want them to go home hungry. Because he's about hospitality. He's going to show the miraculous working power of God and it was going to benefit hospitality with the people because they had followed him and listened to him. So can I get an amen out of that? Because we, we minister to spirit, soul, and body. And then the conferences, conferences ministered to spirit, soul, and body. But my goodness, all of you have been involved. You can rejoice in the Lord because God gives you the credit. And God will recognize the fact that your labors have brought in nine come restored back to the Lord and four baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I tell you what, this is so great the investment. A couple of those in this home church got filled with the Holy Ghost. It's well worth it. It's awesome. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I want to keep continuing sharing with you about beautiful tapestry. But I'd like to maybe put a subtitle to it this morning. It's beautiful tapestry, but I'd like to call it also unique pattern. Unique pattern. I want you to listen to what God's going to show, though we're going in the Old Testament. We're going to travel some here, and God is going to show us something. And I, maybe to some here today, it's going to be something you're going to see that you realize about your personal life, your home life, what's going on in your house. And just believe God that God's going to move. So would you just stretch your right hand forward? Let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we open ourselves to your word. Your word is anointed. Your word is prophetic. Your word is for us today, and Lord, I thank you for all that's going on, how heaven's been moving, and you've been doing a great, marvelous work within us and within this church, and Lord, I know you're not finished. We just thank you, Lord, for your beautiful tapestry, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen, and amen. I'm going to begin in Exodus, the 25th chapter, Exodus, the 25th chapter, Beginning with verse nine, oh, verse 1 through 9. I'm going to read from the New King James Version Bible. Here we go. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet threads, fine linen, and goat's hair, five ram skins dyed red, badger skins, and uh, acacia wood, and oil for the light, and spices for anointing oil, and the sweet incense, onyx stones, and stones to be set in the ephod, and in the breastplate, and let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. That word pattern, we think about beautiful tapestry and the artistry and the work that goes into a tapestry is all about patterns. Now, in my sort of down-home mindset, I've seen some nice tapestries. Most of the tapestries I'd seen was in elementary school when we had the burlap uh, and we began to do the needlework with the yarn and try and do some figures and do some artwork. And in the discovery of that, I found that on the top side was beautiful, underneath was chaos. Was uh, threads everywhere, different colors, patterns and stuff. But the pattern on top, and you had to have a pattern of what you were going to do in order to achieve the beautiful artwork that you want to achieve. Pattern is, is the design. When I think in my hometown thinking, I think about quilts. And the greatest beauty of quilts is the pattern. You know, and you... Uh, it's the pattern of all the colors and the design. It takes quite a designing uh, ability to strategically place those 
pieces of fabric and make the picture and the design work out. I found in sometimes with designs that you start out good, but then you run out of material or area and you've got to straighten it up, center it up and work it all geometrically so it will work all right on the size fabric that you have. That's just the way it works. There's an, there's an order. There's a pattern here. That word in the Hebrew we find in Exodus uh, as uh, tabnith, which means pattern or figure or construction. So God said to Moses, the tabernacle is going to have these things and items and collect an offering from the people so that there'll be a house, that there'll be that you build me a tabernacle, you build me a dwelling place in the center of the camp. That, 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 that there would be a tabernacle that would be located in the center of the camp. And so he did that, and, he, he, and the people went to work, and, you know, there they are, a nation of people where, where the, 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 uh, upwards of two million people uh, that were walking and wandering and journeying in the wilderness and in the desert place, walking together, being together. Listen, God is a God of order. You know in your household when things get a little bit out of order. Can I get an amen out of that? You know, when the kids are kind of bending the rules and the husband is forgetting his honeydew stuff and things just kind of gets a little bit, don't know, none of this on the shoulder stuff. Now, brothers, I'm on your side, okay? <laughs> but, uh, but the thing is, is that, you know, it, it, things get out of order, but in order for things to feel right, do right, there's got to be a pattern and an order and and for this many people, and this is, with all the animals, with all the stuff, with everything that went with them, it's just incredible that God set an order so a nation, you know, would travel through the desert looking for the landing place or the promised land. So God, as God is a God of order, this large group of people had to be arrayed, arranged orderly. And God set up the camp as follows. Tabernacle in the midst of the camp. On the east side of the camp, on the east side of the tabernacle, were the tribes of Judah and Issachar and Zebulun camped there. The numbers given in the Bible are not correctly the numbers. It's only for those men who are 20 and above who could serve in the army. But there were in Judah, there were 186,400 men of that age that could be fighters and warriors and, were, and fight in the army. On the west side of the tabernacle, since it was in the center, was the, on the west side the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh and Benjamin. Now the larger tribes, there's four of them, the, the larger groups, they became these uh, leaders of particular tribes, and so the tribes of, of sets of three were named after the one. So the tribe of Ephraim was there on the west side, but Manasseh and Benjamin was camped with them. That was 108,120 year old men and up that could serve in the army. On the north side of, of that tabernacle were the tribes of Dan. With, with Asher and Naphtali, which is camped there, and there was 157,600 men that were there, 20 and above. On the south side of the camp, or the tabernacle, on the south side were the tribes of Reuben and Simeon and Gad that camped there, and that was 151,400. I wanted to tell you the numbers because we're not talking about a little campground here. We're talking about a major city right here, a city on the move, a city that was where God said, I want you to build me a tabernacle, a dwelling place in the midst, in the middle of it all. And so here we have the design or the pattern that's around that tabernacle. And around the tabernacle were the Levites, and the Levites were the priests that would take care of the tabernacle, carry the tabernacle, carry the Ark of the Covenant. They were servants of the Lord, and they had their own, 
own group and tribe that was immediately around the tabernacle. But at a distance from them of 100 feet where you had these four groups, tribes, that surrounded the tabernacle because that distance is so important. You see, the distance is so important because the distance represents the reverence of God. Oh, you know, there was a space of 100 feet that was there among the camp that, you know, you had to go to the tabernacle. You didn't camp in the tabernacle. And there are people who think they camp in the presence of God, but no, literally, you go to the presence of God. It's a special place. It's a designated place. you got to walk across that space to reach that place of worship. Some of you this morning, you're walking across that space and you're doing it alone because you have to walk alone. And you walk toward that space to where the presence of the God of God is. And you reverence his presence. You reverence his presence because, listen, ain't nobody going to get too close that aren't supposed to get too close. But isn't it funny how that the holy things, if you touch them, you would die? But isn't it, isn't it funny how that God left a, an opening, a door, a gate that was open 24-7 for anyone who he was willing to receive the repentant heart, willing to receive one who wanted to come to him in repentance? See, we don't serve a haughty God. We serve a loving God. But he must be reverenced. And so, therefore, there are people who think they can approach the presence of God and still be in sin. God says, no, you can approach me if you're willing to sacrifice your sin. If you're willing to hand it over and be repentive, my presence. I know that's, that's like uh, people view God being real hard, but he's not hard. He's holy. See, that's the thing. He's not hard. He's holy. He wants to save your life. He wants to save your life. So therefore, here, you had these camps that surrounded in, and made up the camp. And we've, we find here in this arraignment, uh, there's something very interesting about that reverence to the Jewish society, to Judaism. And thank God, I thank God that, we're, that I still believe in the roots of Judeo-Christian values. I still believe in that. Some of you look at me, you don't know what that means. Judeo-Christian values. I thank God for the Jewish people that God would use, and they preserved the law. They preserved the word of the Lord. And God used them prophetically, symbolically in the entire nation. They, were his, they are his chosen people. And so he, he used them. And so I thank God for the Judeo-Christian values that I have. Values that understand that there must be order, that there must be reverence, that there must be an awe about the presence of God. And God is to never to be taken for granted. That was their worship, you see. Their worship was all about obedience. And following obedience about their sacrifice and the laws and obedience. Though I'm glad that we come into something much greater and higher through Jesus Christ. But we still have to be obedient to him. Now, obedience hasn't taken the back seat in our life. It must take first and foremost in our heart that we serve the Lord with our hearts. And with all of our hearts with all that's within us. So here, these people, they were... They were strategic in order, strategic in obedience, and they were so careful. Listen, whenever that the scribe was, was recording the scriptures and recording another parchment, every time they reached the word yada or reached the word uh, Yahweh, that they had to take a new pen for each letter because of the reverence that they had for the very name of Yahweh. So they had great respect. But there was, a, there was a kind of a situation here that had to be solved. Here is the tabernacle. Here is the camp of Levi around them and the space. And then you've got the four groups head by the larger tribes. You've got them all around. And there's Judah on the east side. Judah, Judah should be on the east side. East side was where the gate was into the tabernacle. 
And Judah means worship from the word yada, and it means praise. <laughs> it means praise. Judah means praise. I'm going to jump ahead here. Judah means praise, yada meaning praise. Then Issachar was with them also right in that same camp facing eastward toward the tabernacle, toward the gate. And Issachar means to receive recompense. It means reward for services. So here is praise and here is rewards. And then Zebulon was the tribe right behind them in the same camp. And Zebulon came from the root word of Hebrew, Zabel, which means to dwell. So here you've got praise, then you've got reward, and then you got dwell. And that's exactly what we need to do when it comes down to the presence of the Lord. We need to praise. We need to know that there's a reward in serving God and that we need to dwell at the gate of the tabernacle. Praise God. We can go in there. Now, the alarm was with these people and their worship was that they were exact in their worship and obedience. So here it is, instruction given for Judah and the other tribes to Judah, especially that they are to be east of the tabernacle, east of that. And so therefore, it meant that their camp couldn't be wider in width than the camp of Levi and the tabernacle. Because if they had went wider and not alongside of this, you'll see this in a moment, alongside of it, then it would have been that they were being southeast and not east. They would have been a little off, and believe me, they weren't going to be off of what God told them to do. So they lined themselves up and they eastwardly so that they would be lined with the Levites and with the tabernacle, exactly what God told them. Then the other tribes, the tribes of the west, and then also north and south, and all these people, they knew we must follow the word of the Lord. We must do the pattern that God wants us to follow, to do that very pattern he had requested us to do. And so they did. In the book of Numbers, there's an account in Scripture where that Numbers 22, chapter 22, chapter 24, don't get scared, I'm not going to preach it. Can you imagine that being the text? We're going to go now to chapter 22 through chapter 24. And someone's going to say, man, I wish I'd pack my lunch. <laughs> but in the scripture, we find that account of scripture where Balaam, there's two important characters, Balaam and Balak. Balaam was a mercenary prophet. Balaam was contacted by Balak, who was the king of Moab. And in chapter 22, he contacts Balaam, and Balaam's going to go, okay, uh, he gave a, a great offer that he'd go and he'd speak over the camp of Israel, and speak something bad over them. But you see, what happened along the way in chapter 22 was this, this uh, mercenary prophet, uh, he is, he's, he goes out for hire and to curse the encampment, but in chapter 22, Balaam receives an attitude adjustment from an angel and a sermon from a donkey. And a broken ankle. I tell you, do a three-point sermon on that one. Yeah. Mighty angel, donkey preaching, broken ankle. Well, the fact is, is that he had an attitude adjustment before he reached Balak. And then God says after, he said, okay, you can go on, after he broke his ankle, you can go on, but you say exactly what I tell you to say. You follow the words and direction I tell you to say. And what to say. So he shows up and Balak great greets him, the king of Moab. Because Moab's worried about the camp of Israel. Worried about the, the size. Worried about the, the involvement in the environment. Worried about where his nation's going to stand and his position's going to be. See, this is, this is what God has intended the church of Jesus Christ to be an invading force 
with a traveling God. See, other nations had a national God that stayed put in their nation. But the children of Israel, they carried God with them. And they went on their journey carrying the presence of the Lord with them with the Ark of the Covenant. And Moab couldn't understand that. And he thought, man, we got to stop this. It's king of Moab. But Balak says this. And we got to curse this. we got to stop it. The world is wanting to stop the church of Jesus Christ. But you and I know the truth. We know the fact. Uh, the church is going to march on. The church is going to occupy till Jesus comes back again. The church is going to rule and reign on this earth in the name of Jesus Christ. The church will live on and on. Oh, the church is blessed. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm blessed. So here he is. They go and. God permits him to go on. And he meets up with Balak. And so there's three occurrences here. Three places they end up at trying to get the job done. And they have a little problem with it. God interrupted Balaam on the way. But then God had something else to say. Turn to your neighbor and say, God has something else to say. There are people who want to put you down. But God's got something else to say. But people want to want to declare something over you, say something over you. You ain't worth it. You ain't going to make it. You never will make it. You're no good. You say, well, oh, but God's got something else to say. I, 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 I don't listen to that stuff. I don't listen to it. I don't listen to it. There are people decreed and declared over you that you were going to be a failure, that, that, that your marriage wasn't going to work. And then the creed said, when you divorce, uh, you're going to fall apart. Uh, your life is going to fall apart. And you're, you're just not going to make it. Uh, there are those who've decreed and said, you're going to get back on the addiction trail. You're going to start drinking again. You're going to start keep on taking drugs and all this stuff. There are people decreed that. But then you say, hey, hey, what a, wait, wait, wait a minute. God's got something else to say. And his word is the final word. You know what I mean? His word's final. So here we go. So Balaam, uh, Balak takes Balaam up. Balak takes Balaam up on the first hill, the, on the high places of Baal. See, that's where the world goes wrong. The world's declaring you and I are going to defeat us. Satan's trying to use the forces of the world. But those are false forces. The devil is defeated already. And so, therefore, you know, we've already won. Talk about faulty foundation. Talk about starting off wrong. He started off wrong altogether. He was on the wrong course. And Balaam was going to say what God has to say. And so, on the high places, and there in Numbers 23, the first declaration, decree from Balaam over the camp of Israel says, and he tells Balak, he said, but how can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I curse somebody? God's blessed. Uh, there's just no way. You, you hold on to that word today. When you're feeling like your world's falling apart, you say, listen, I'm not cursed. I'm blessed. And the devil can't curse what God has blessed. I mean, we talk about a New Testament terms about the blood of Jesus Christ. That the devil can't cross the blood. Let me tell you. The devil can't curse what God has blessed. And you're blessed. You turn to your neighbor, look at him and say, I'm blessed. Come on now, you get it. I'm blessed. Do a TV Jake's job here and say, honey, punch him, smack your neighbor and say, I'm blessed. Some of you enjoyed that smacking part and I saw that. All right. He says, how can I curse those whom God has not cursed? And how can I condemn those whom the Lord has not condemned? Oh, oh, I see them from the clifftops and I watch them from the hills. I see a people who live by themselves and set apart from other nations. God looks at us and he sees the church. He says, I see a people who are set apart from the rest of the nations. They're a chosen people, a holy people. They called him out of darkness into marvelous light, you know. Praise God. And he says, let, and then he says this, who can count Jacob's descendants as numbers, numerous as the dust? Who can count even the fourth of Israel's people? See, he's prophesying what's happened, what's going to happen, how they're going to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. You part of those people. You're heirs of Abraham's promise. 
You're part of it. Though you're not Jewish, you've received Jesus in your life. And we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And he says, then he says this. He says, let me, let me die like the righteous. Let my life end like theirs. They're so blessed. People, we've watched Christians. You ever watch Christians when they die? They're blessed when they die. There's something supernatural. The atmosphere of the funeral is not all this brokenness, but possibilities and potential of what God is, has in store for them. And if we believe in him, we'll see him again, and we're going to enjoy the same environment they're enjoying. You see, it's just different. It's just Different, and so Balaam said, I want to die like these people. I want to be in like these people. These people are, are honored in life and honored in death. And ba Balak gets mad, upset. What are you doing? No, I don't want to hear it. This is ridiculous. I'm going to pay you a lot of money, a tent load of gold. And, and here it is, you, you know, you're doing this. He says, let's go to another spot. Balak says, I know another spot we can go to where you can look at them again. So they go to that second spot, and they offer up sacrifices like Balaam tells them to do, and they offer it up, and then it goes up, and then Balaam reminds him, listen, I can only say what God tells me to say. You know, pretty committed there, hopping, limping to the, the site, if you know what I mean, with a broken ankle, reminding him, that pain reminding him he better stay on track here. And though he goes and he looks over the camp the second time around, he beholds the camp of Israel. And the second declaration decree from Balaam is Numbers 23, 18 through 21. This is the message Balaam delivered. Rise up, oh, up, Balak, and listen. Hear me, son of Zippor. God is not a man. He does not lie. He's not human. So he does not change his mind. Oh, come on, this preaching stuff here, and I'm not even going to preach on it, okay? I'm just going to read it. So he does not lie. He does not, he's not human. He does not change his mind. Promises of the Lord are yea and amen. They're yes and amen, and it's settled. He has ever spoken, has he ever spoken and failed to act? Come on, church, has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? <laughs> oh, listen, I receive a command to bless. God has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. No misfortune is in his plan for Jacob. No trouble in, is in store for Israel, for the Lord their God is with them. He has been proclaimed their king. King. You got Jesus in your life. You make him king over your life. Uh, there are those who are going to take legal action or say this or that. Let me tell you, those whom God has blessed, the devil can't curse, cannot do anything to pull down. Why? Because you have made up your mind that the Lord is your king. The Lord rules over your life. And because of that, God is not a man. He's going to lie. His promises are sure. They're yea and amen. You can depend on it. Balak, the king, oh, stop it, stop it. You know, that's what the devil, he, that's how he acts. You know that, don't you? How do I know that? Because sometimes we act that way. Our flesh rises up with, stop it. Get right enraged. You ever get enraged? Don't raise your hand. Do not point to the person next to you either. You ever get enraged? Where do you think you got that from? You got it from the flesh, and the flesh is the, the enemy's lord over your flesh if, the, if your flesh isn't crucified. Your fleshly man's rising up. And so when you get enraged, the devil does that too. He has to get in a rage. Get mad. Stop it. We're going to do this thing one more time, Balak says. And so he says, I got a third place we're going to go. And so he takes him to that third place, do the same measures of sacrifice. I, there's a lot of animals dying here. Yeah. And then the third declaration is found in Numbers 24, 3 through 6. It's the third decree. It's the last one. Balaam goes up to the spot. He looks to the camp of Israel. 
And the scripture says this is the message he delivered. This is the message of Balaam, the son of Baor. The message of the man whose eyes see clearly. The message of one who hears the words of God, who sees the vision from the Almighty, who knows, who bows down with eyes wide open. How beautiful are your tents, O Jacob. How lovely are your homes, O Israel. They spread before me like palm groves and gardens by the riverside. They're like the tall trees planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. And as Balaam looked down at the camp, what a sight he must have seen. Saw there in the desert sand, black tents all around to take care of two million people. Tents made of black goat's hair. And the tents all there in the black color in the white sand. The beauty of that. Then also in the center of that camp was there was the tabernacle of the Lord. The gate had various threads of purple, blue, and scarlet intertwined in the colors. The entrance way past the gate. He saw the articles of worship, the brazen altar, and he saw that, and he saw the tabernacle, their inner tabernacle that was arrayed and embroidered, uh, blue and white embroidered, and such a glorious sight, and saw all the people. And in him, he must have said, you know, how beautiful that is. He saw that 30-foot outer gate, how big it was, and the curtain made of finely twisted linen and purple and blue and scarlet. Jesus, you remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, I am the gate in John 10 and 9. I'm the gate and whoever enters through me will be saved. He saw salvation's door. He saw forgiveness door. He saw that gate. And he saw the tabernacle. He saw offering being lifted up. And so here it is. Remember, Balaam only spoke what God said. And what Balaam was describing was what the Lord saw. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? What he was speaking, God was speaking. And God says, how beautiful are your tents. How beautiful are your homes, your dwelling place. How beautiful. And he said exactly describing what the Lord saw. It was a special design that God wanted. The weaving work from the heart of the creator. Unique pattern with a prophetic message. For all to see, foreshadowing something of the divine plan and design. How beautiful are your tents. Now I got a drawing I want you to see. And this is what Balaam saw on the mountainside. He's looking down. This is what he saw. That's exactly what he saw. The camps lined up not wider than what's supposed to be the measurements. And with the four groups, with all 12 tribes, he looked down upon that camp. He saw in that camp where the tabernacle was. He saw the Shekinah coming down and the smoke of sacrifice going up. He saw the beauty of that and all around. And most of all, he saw the message. And God is trying to tell us today that his presence wants to be in the center. He wants to be in the center of our life. When Jesus died on the cross, listen to me, that's prophetic because you don't find the cross in the Old Testament. But you'll find it in the New Testament. And there the cross is shaped there, the camp, the whole nation of Israel in the shape of this shape. And Balaam sees it and he says, what a beautiful tapestry that the Lord has created in the Old Testament. You and I look at the cross and we need to declare and say, what a beautiful artwork from our Lord to provide salvation to those who believe in him. It's a glorious pattern in 1 Corinthians 1.18. Paul writes, for the preaching of the cross to them which perish is foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. It's a glorious pattern with God's presence in the center of the camp. God should be in the midst of our camp. God wants to be in the center of our life. God says my presence can make a difference. My presence will defeat your enemies. My presence will feed you when you need to eat. 
My presence will provide clothing in your life. My presence will provide protection. My presence will provide communication. My presence will provide a, a communion. My presence will provide everything that you need that pertains to life. And it all came through the cross of Jesus Christ. cross of Christ, we see that God's dealing with his people in ways on the basis of the cross of Jesus. He saw the smoke of the offerings, but then he had to see the Shekinah smoke or the cloud of God coming down. God has always been coming down to a people who are going up, a people who are reaching up, the people who are in his pattern, in his design. Now, you got chaos in your life. I mean, I'm not talking about hardships. They're going to come. But do you feel like you know, you're not really driving this ship and you're really not, you don't know what to do and you're panicking, you're, you're afraid and filled with fear? What, what it is is that you've got to do it to God's pattern and design. He's got to be, he wants to dwell in the center of your life. And your life has to be a sacrifice unto the Lord that you surrendered your life to him has the Lord ever failed you has the Lord ever ignored you has the Lord blessed your life when you let him come in and be a part and in the center of your life that's the way it works that's the way it works so we have Balaam says how beautiful are the tents how beautiful are the arrangement how beautiful is the pattern Christ, he's our Savior, he's our Lord. Now, Balak, Balak, by then, he's just, he's really furious. So at the very end, Balaam has something else to say. Numbers 24, 14. He now returning, he says, he says, I'm now returned to my own people, but first let me tell you what the Israelites will do to your people in the future. Verse 17 says, I see him, but not here and now. I perceive him. But far in the distant future, a star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. It will crush the heads of, Mo, of the Mo, uh, Moab's people and cracking the skulls of the people of Sheth. A ruler will rise in Jacob who will destroy the survivors of Ur. Now I know historically we think of David, but we know prophetically it's Jesus Christ, the, the bright and morning star. Jesus Christ. And he says, listen, he's going to rise up. He's going to rise up from these people. And he's got a job to do, and he's going to do it. He's going to rise up. Hallelujah. Thank God for the bright star, the morning star, Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Would you stand with me? There was a song I heard, it used to be on the radio, it said, the cross is the final word. It is the final word of our life. When we're seeing the end of our days, when we'll pass, we're going to carefully consider where's the cross of Jesus in our life? Where is the Lord in our life? Most people, when they talk to me, they want to talk to a preacher. They don't want to talk about the money, possessions, and stuff. Many times, and most of the time, they, they want to talk about the Lord and where is God in their life. The Lord says, I want to be, dwell in the center of your life. I want you to be as Balaam. Say, I want you to know that you walk in my blessings, that you're not cursed. If you're living in sin, the Lord is not your Lord. Jesus is not your Savior. He's not your Lord. If, he, if you don't let him be your Lord, he'll never be your Savior. People seek for a Savior, but you have to declare him Lord of your life, to walk in the life in relationship with him. Why? Because God is a God of order. God, he wants to pattern, and he calls the shots on the pattern, and we believe in him. But let me tell you, there's a word for some people here today. That you've had people cursing you, had people upsetting you, people hurting you, want to tear you down. The Lord wants you to know today 
that you're a blessed person and the devil can't touch it the devil can't curse it you claim your promise in the Lord stand firm in your faith let your tents be beautiful and line up with him and his pattern he'll bless you how many of you say this morning pastor God has blessed me let your hand down let me ask you again how many of you say this morning God's going to bless me yes hallelujah he has he is and he's gonna he has he is and he's gonna that's how important you are to him do you believe that this morning that you are that important to him that he loves you and cares for you in the name of Jesus Christ I rebuke all attacks and lies that have been placed upon you in Jesus name the devil is defeated he's a liar and the father liars God has something else to say your God has something else to say besides that curse or that put down some of you may have been raised in some rough situation and you say I can't just seem to get away with I'm telling you that the Lord has come to set you free you're not cursed you're blessed you find Jesus as your Savior you're blessed you live within the cross you're blessed you're blessed in Jesus name now just lift your hands toward heaven and I want you to start praising him because you're blessed I'm blessed Lord Holy Spirit, I ask you right now, Lord, by way of remembrance, stir them, people's minds. Take them back. Take them to the present. Let them see how they're blessed. Blessed. I'm blessed. I'm not cursed. I win. I haven't lost. I'm victorious, not defeated. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm blessed. Blessed. Surely in goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. Goodness and mercy is hot on your heels. God's love is overwhelming you. His mercies are new every day. Let me tell you, you serve an infinite God. That is omniscient, that means he doesn't have Alzheimer's. He is not forgetful. What he has promised, he will do. His word is final. That's it. His promises are yes, and it's settled. That's why yes and settled are his promises. I want you to go on, lift your hand up. When you do, do do this with me. Just... Some of you say, well, I guess I'll humor him. I really want you to see this. Do you believe heaven is real? Raise your hand. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. So it's a substance thing. The evidence of things not seen. That means you can reach up and you can grab it. I want you, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. Go on lower and down again. If you're in the spirit, go on and praise God. Don't stop. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand toward the heaven. And I want you to grab hold. Saying, Lord, I know your promise is real and true. You're not a man that you should lie. But you speak as yes. I lay hold of this in the name of Jesus Christ, your promise. Lay hold of your promise. So, are you ready? You know, there are different postures of hand raising. I'm not talking about little TV, wide TV, you know, Pentecostal worship. I'm talking, but there are the hands of raise, of blessing, that hold up life. Why? Because you're expecting something to fall. But I got to tell you, there are times God wants you to reach out. There's a Greek word in the New Testament called Labano. And Labano means that you reach and you take. When Jesus was serving at the Lord's uh, Supper, when he was tainted, he didn't say in the passive of 
here, you just go on and, if you will, take a piece of bread. He said, take. That's the Greek word, labano. It means that you're grabbing hold of it. And so the Lord's telling you today, grab hold of his promises. Take, labano. Take, take. Surely next Sunday we will take the bread. And know that the promise and celebrate the promise of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he's done. The Lord wants you in the supernatural to take this morning. Take! We sing songs and say, I'm going to go in the enemy's camp and take what the devil's stolen from me. We need to take. Because greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. Greater. Greater, 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 greater. I just see in my spirit this greater sign in mathematics, you know, where it opens wide and down to a little point is lesser. Whichever way, I don't know if it's the opening that dictates, but I just know I always like the opening. I never paid attention to the point. Wherever the opening's at, it's greater. This is your God. He is greater. This is the devil. He's a fallen angel. Catch my drift. He's no competition for your God. Greater. Why count to three? Do you believe, let me ask you, do you believe in the promises of the Lord? Do you believe that God's word is true? believe that the pages of this book specifically deals with the issues of your life then take the promise in the name of Jesus Christ you know what you need you know what's going on you know what's going to be the turning point you know what's got to be victorious you've got to be victorious over you know if it's your son or daughter needing to get saved you know whether or not it's a financial need you know whether or not if it's a relational need among the family, that the family will love each other again. Maybe it's between a husband and wife that you'll start loving each other like you should. But in the name of Jesus Christ, if you believe the promises of the Lord are yea and amen, I want you to reach up and in the name of Jesus Christ, take your promise. Take your promise. Take your promise. I want you one more time. Let's do it three times. Can we do it three times? Uh, somebody said, somebody looked over and said, boy, that feels good. That feels good. It feels good. It feels good. Well, I count to three. We're going to do it three times. We'll lift our hands up. In the name of Jesus Christ, this isn't a game. This isn't a pep rally. You need to declare and decree your victory, your promises of the Lord. Speak them, declare them, because you believe in your God. In the name of Jesus Christ, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand up and say, take the promise. We'll do it a second time and a third time. One, two, three. I take the promise. One, two, three. I take the promise. One, two, three. I take the promise. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. What a great designer he is. Great designer. Go on sing. You might as well. You've been up here. You've been yielding. I appreciate that. Go ahead, sing a little bit. Come on. Sing with them. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. 
to sing it three times through. Come on. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see. Just the voices. How great. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great. How great. I'm sorry. Is our God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We ain't done yet. I can't finish this thing until we sing Name Above All Names. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sing it, sing it. Come on, church, sing Name Above All Names. Yes, it is. He is worthy of all praise. And my heart will sing how about how you know the Lord's blessing you. You're going through something, but tell me that God has worked in your life and he's working in your life. That you're not cursed, but you're blessed. I want you to send me a message on Messenger because there's some people in this house. The Lord wants you to hear this word. Everybody need to hear it. I even need to hear it. But I, Everybody need to hear it, but there's, there, is, there was some missiles being shot by heaven, smart bombs, that were blowing up in the hearts of people that the Holy Ghost was speaking to you. I love you and God bless you. Go with the Lord and share Jesus Christ to the world. God bless you.